Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, please open the eyes of our hearts this morning that as we read your word, we might see Jesus afresh as our worthy King. In his name, amen. Well, we're going to play a little game I like to call Catch the Vision. I need some theme music, but that's all right. I'm going to read out a vision statement, and if you're the first person to yell out the company that it belongs to, congratulations, you've caught the vision. Okay, so just put the phrase up, but hold off on the answer. So, first phrase, here it comes. To empower every person and every organisation on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft, yes! (laughs) Big vision, big vision. Incredible. Next one, next one. Let's keep moving. Give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Facebook, come on, guys. How old are you? It's meta now. <laughs> next one. Is that, to, to be the worldwide leader in sharing delicious tastes and creating joyful memories. Not Maccas. It is Krispy Kreme Donuts. And haven't they achieved that aim? <laughs> Definitely worldwide leader. How do you catch a vision like that, though? Imagine working for the company such that you actually then believe it and live for it, believing that's what you're doing. Here's another one. A world that knows Jesus. It is CMS, Church Missionary Society. But of course, that's not just CMS's vision. Come on, they stole it from the Bible. Uh, <laughs> They don't have monopoly on it. But, it, I mean, it's a vision the Bible gives us, right? It's, it's what we've seen this week. Jesus is the centre of everything and he's the worthy servant king, as we saw from Philippians 2. He emptied and humbled himself. Of course we want a world that knows Jesus. But then how do you catch the vision of sharing Jesus with the world such that you act on it? And perhaps your past... Well, well sorry, let me say one thing first. Finding that drive can have its challenges, right? Even for us here at people at Bible College. Here's three challenges. The first, have you ever asked yourself, am I worthy of sharing Jesus? Perhaps your past rejection of God leaves you thinking you'd never be able to genuinely share Jesus. Or you've faced failure after failure in sharing Jesus. Or you feel you've just got got no skills in sharing Jesus. Or maybe you've asked yourself, do I really have to share Jesus? Number two, it can feel like a trial, especially when it causes relational difficulty. Or maybe you're a little embarrassed about Jesus, but you know that everyone everywhere needs to hear about him. So you share Jesus out of guilt or on college mission. But if you can avoid it, you know, because you need to study and things or run a church. Phew, right. But you'd never be a missionary. Or maybe you, you think, number three, I'm the only one who can share Jesus. Well, no one else does it well, and you're capable, of course. So it all depends on you. So you, you then have to go to the deepest, darkest part of the world or run a thriving local ministry. But deep down you'll find it almost impossible to imagine a world that knows Jesus because there's just not enough amazing people like you to get the job done. 
How do you catch the vision of sharing Jesus with the world such that you're actually then free to act on it? Like the moon that blocks the sun, perhaps singing of ourselves, did you hear in those challenges? Each was I, I, I. We cast shadow instead of reflecting light and we get in the way of the true source of light. So it's time to take another look at the Son of God, Jesus, and see how singing his song might reshape ours. Today we're going to see part of another type of vision, that of the Apostle John, who added in the first century, which he records in the book of Revelation. And there we'll find not just one, but three songs, bargain, about Jesus to finish off our series. And I'll sum up what I think could be the combined title in one sentence. Here it is. Jesus is our worthy king because by his blood he made a kingdom for our God. Now I've come to this from the main ideas of the three songs of Jesus that I see in the text. And I'll explain how I observe each one and so why I summarise them by saying this, that Jesus is our worthy king because by his blood he made a kingdom for our God. So let's set the stage on which these songs are sung. John's in exile for sharing Jesus. And then he has a vision of Jesus. And he tells John to write down uh, what he sees. John says, Jesus' eyes are like blazing fire, his voice like rushing waters, his tongue a double-edged sword, his face like the sun. It's apocalyptic writing. It's using imagery and story to communicate a message. But you, you get the picture, right? Here is Jesus God's son in all his glory, the victorious king. Then in chapter 4, John gets to peek through a door into heaven where he sees another almost indescribable scene. It's the throne room of God. God's sitting there, somehow looking like gems and rainbows, surrounded by 24 elders also on thrones, maybe representing leaders of God's people all across time, old and new. And, and there's seven lamps blazing, oh, which he then says is God's spirit. And, and there's a sea of glass. Not sure quite how you surf it, but, you know, it's fine. And then you've got these four mishmash creatures, kind of like the angelic beings in Isaiah. And they, they never stop singing praises to God. And whenever they sing, then the 24 elders, they jump off their thrones and cast their crowns and sing praises to God too. I mean, it's just this constant noise like even more than a spanish fiesta it's amazing but with one clear center and focus that everyone agrees on it's god on his throne chapter 5 verse 1 he's holding some sort of scroll or written document and the only thing we seem to discover at, at this point is that it's completely sealed a mighty angel is wailing. Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And they look everywhere. Heaven, earth, under the earth. No one can even, even look at it. No one is found worthy. None of the elders can do it. I mean, they know who is worthy. That's what they're singing at the end of chapter 4, verse 11. They're constantly singing of their creator God who is worthy to receive all glory from his creation. But of course, we know that we, his creation, we rejected him. 
We don't honour him as he deserves. So maybe the content of the scroll is his plan to bring about his rule again, his kingdom. And so opening this scroll would look like bringing that plan to completion such that all recognise his rule as the next chapters show. But of course, without someone to make his kingdom, all hope is lost. So verse 4, John, he, he just he breaks down in tears. But then one of the elders notices something. Don't weep, John. Look, the lion of Judah, David's promised descendant, the victorious king, the centre of everything, he can open the scroll. There is one worthy. It's the victorious Christ, of course, but as John turns to see the mighty lion bringing God's rule, there stands a little lamb, standing as slain, emptied and humble. And yet the lamb goes and takes the scroll from God on his throne. And instantly the heavens erupt to the four living beings and the 24 elders. They all fall down again in worship. But this time it's before the Lamb. They're echoing the prayers of God's people uh, across all the ages who are called on God to bring his kingdom and establish his rule again. And now it's being fulfilled before them. And so, of course, they, they sing. They can't help it. But it's not just of God as creator. They're singing a new song of the lion, the lamb. And in summary, I think they sing, Jesus is our worthy king, because by his blood he made a kingdom for our God. So let's see how they do that in the three songs that follow. The first song I've titled, You Made God's Kingdom. Kind of sounds like something we would sing, actually. But I draw this title from the lyrics that you read then in verses 9 and 10. Check them out in your Bible. They sing, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Like we saw in Philippians 2, Christ Jesus was exalted and filled with the name above every name. Not because he exerted his power over others, but because he emptied and humbled himself. And here it's emphasised again, dying on a cross for us who had rejected him, spilling his blood. And yet it was in his weakness and by his spilt blood that he took the punishment that we deserved and offered us forgiveness. By his blood, Jesus brought us back. And not just us in this room. You see them singing. His death made it possible for everyone from every nation, from every age to draw near to God, to receive forgiveness, making a people who give him the glory and honour and power that he deserves. By his blood, Jesus made God's kingdom, destroying rejection of God into eternity. It's what helps me make sense of my dismal failure in Spain, actually. 
<laughs> I went to Spain more confident than I should have been. I'd learnt from others' mistakes, and I was going to get it right, of course, a successful missionary, finally. <laughs> then I started learning Spanish. And I wrote a little journal, and I'd get my Spanish teacher to read and correct it, and one day she just, she just burst out laughing. I tried to write something nice about my wife, Tanya. I, I thought I'd said that she'd been a bit sick, but was still really beautiful. No, not no. And it turns out what I'd written was that Tanya was a sick, handsome male dog. <laughs> couple of letters. Uh, it, was, it was painfully obvious that I was weak. But you know, God still gave growth, even through that, but as people watched us fumbling about. And then I came to admit, actually, I was exactly the same in Sydney beforehand. Completely weak. I was just much better at hiding it. Because it's never been and won't be my strength that makes God's kingdom from every nation. Jesus does that by his death. In his weakness, he is shown to be strong. And even through ours. You are our worthy king, Jesus, because by your blood, you made a kingdom for our God. Well, with the creatures and elders singing the first song, John then hears millions, uncountable voices of angels and they're circling around the whole scene and they start loudly singing the second song, which I've titled, You Deserve All Glory. I draw this from the lyrics that you see in verse 12. Check them out in your Bible. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and strength, and honour, and glory, and praise. You made God's kingdom. So you, King Jesus, the slain weak lamb, deserve all power. Over all rulers, authorities, dominions, over us, you deserve all wealth. All things were created by you and for you. You're the heir of it all, not us. You deserve all all wisdom, all the credit for all our amazing ideas and innovations that made our own little kingdoms. You made God's kingdom. That's where wisdom belongs. You deserve all strength. You emptied and humbled yourself to death on a cross. And so God gave you the name above every name so that all bow to you. You deserve all honour and glory and praise. You made God's kingdom. You are our worthy king. Did you ever enter a colouring in competition when you were younger? I remember one at a pet shop. It was a cartoon fish with then a cool fish for a prize. And so I took home that sheet and spent hours and hours colouring each section. And I did a pretty good job. But then I saw the winner and I only admitted this for the first time to our, our church last Sunday, so this is then the second time to you guys, but I think I can finally admit that winner. It was amazing. It was incredible. I, I loved the, the colouring, the shading, and I, it almost came alive on the page. It, it was worthy to receive the prize. <laughs> 
I was a bit dirty about it at the time. You know, it's fun. It's fun. I've, I've, I've moved on, kind of, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes I've caught myself thinking that, that I actually deserve the glory. I mean, I was a missionary. How good was I to go and save those people and bring our great Australian thinking and things on, on Spanish? And, and it sometimes took me a while to acknowledge just how amazing the work of my Spanish colleagues was and their labour of love. So many of them emptied and humbled themselves in love of God and others and continue to do so without me there. And of course, through their work, we see Jesus shine. He's making God's kingdom through them, through many other people around the world and through us. But it's not us that deserve the glory, it's him. You are our worthy king, Jesus, because by your blood you made a kingdom for our God. But there's still a third song. And it's the application of the first two. I've titled it, Take the Glory, Jesus. This time, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, everything starts singing the lyrics in the second half of verse 13. Check them out in your Bible. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. It sounds similar to the last one. But it's not just saying you are worthy, stating fact. They're they're responding to it. They all bow to Jesus and express their desire that he receives all that is due him. The blessing that all finally acknowledge that he is the king of the kingdom and say, yep, this is good that he's king. They say, let it happen. They don't just say that he deserves honour and glory. They give it to him. Take it, Jesus. Let it happen. They say Jesus deserves power, but they don't then grasp it for themselves. They fall before him and say, have power over us, Jesus, over everything. Let it happen. And not just now, but for all eternity. You made God's kingdom, so you deserve all glory. Take the glory, Jesus. Something I asked myself as I left Spain was, like, what was my legacy, my imprint? And I thought about different things I'd created or events I'd organised or even people I had trained. But the more I thought of my dreams of being praised for the work I'd done, the more I saw my own weakness. Until I looked at what Jesus had done and what he continues to do through teenagers, leaders, churches. I don't deserve the praise for any of that. He makes God's kingdom. He deserves the glory. But when I finally come around to saying, take the glory, Jesus, man, it's wonderfully liberating. It doesn't all depend on me. It's his. So the best thing I can do is sing with all creation, take the glory, Jesus. Or to sum up the three songs, you are worthy. You are our worthy king, Jesus, because by your blood you made a kingdom for our God. So take the glory. How do you catch the vision of sharing Jesus with others so that you act on it? It doesn't come from looking inwards. 
This song seems to well from looking at Jesus, from acknowledging him as God's kingdom maker and asking him to take the glory. And then that's freedom to share Jesus, isn't it? You don't need to be worthy to share Jesus. You certainly aren't the only one worthy of making Jesus' kingdom. That's Jesus alone. But as we recognise him as the centre of everything, with all creatures across all time, because he emptied and humbled himself, well, we're then freed to share Jesus with the whole world. Here's three things I've been thinking about. I'd be really interested to know what you've been thinking about as we, cross, uh, as we, as we talk afterwards across these three talks in terms of what we're then freed to. Here's three things from me. It's freedom to delight in Jesus taking the glory. Even when you see little fruit yourself, you can give up your never-ending task of making a name for yourself. And you can make it all about him. Even if that means plunging yourself into the weakness of something like learning another language. Number two, it's freedom to be faithful. I think you can keep going like John, even in the face of worldly suffering and rejection. You can perhaps even be optimistically bold, knowing that God is able to do far more through your weakness than you could ever do through your strength. You can even delight in the weakness and slowness of something like language learning because you do it for Jesus' glory, not for your own. You don't need to control it all. And it's freedom to be generous, I think. We can give ourselves not only to share Jesus so our church grows, but also support other churches and send more missionaries and partner with other believers all over the world that have far less resources than we do. And the generosity means if they grow and we don't, great, take the glory, Jesus. We can give without expecting to see any return or benefit for us. Of course, we want to be strategic and faithful with ministry in Sydney, but not to fill and exalt ourselves. And sometimes I, I kind of wonder what would happen if we together sent every student currently studying at Moore College outside of Sydney. There'd, I mean, there'd be less competition for jobs, <laughs> but there'd be there'd still be way more paid ministry staff in Sydney than there are in the whole of Spain. Maybe that would encourage others to step up. There'd be challenges, of course. We'd have to find new solutions for various things. Um, but I mean, we could come up with a whole load of reasons to keep people. But wouldn't it show a wonderfully generous spirit? particularly if we were all behind it, counting the cost and emptying ourselves that Jesus might take the glory. So will you please, from me, talk with your minister, your church family, the lecturers here with CMS and other mission agencies and with each other together 
ask if, if we think that we should send you to the nations to sing of Jesus. To sing a song like you are worthy, our worthy King Jesus, because by your blood you made a kingdom for our God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, by your blood you made God's kingdom, so you deserve all glory. Please take the glory, Jesus. You are worthy. Amen.